I said, oh, you know, we're, we're just having the marble put down this week for the, the guest bathroom, for the client bathroom. And someone laughed like out loud and was like, you know, me being me, I was like, you know, what the fuck are you laughing at? I'm Sean McDonald, and you're listening to Blethered. My guests are married couple and business partners, Adam and Dr. Connor Morgan. Adam and Connor are owners of House of Dentistry in Presswick, somewhere that's been described as first-class dentistry infused with five-star hospitality. I find out what inspired them to set up such a specific and unique company, and I hear about their early lives and how their paths then led them to each other. Here's Adam talking about one of the most difficult challenges he's endured as he worried about how coming out as gay would impact him and his children. I, I heard all these different stories and I was Googling all the time, you know, like, what happens to my kids if I come out as gay? And there were these groups that I would kind of go onto the forums and it would all be people that had lost their kids. And, and that was like the ultimate fear for me. Yeah. Is, you know, if I come out, I lose everything. You'll hear Connor explain how the chaos of the pandemic was a catalyst for them going all in and how lockdown had the opposite of the expected impact. Over COVID, where a lot of dentists kind of just stopped working, Adam kind of encouraged me. He was like, you know, you should be doing FaceTime consultations with people and things like that. So actually, when by the time we could go back, I actually had a lot of people waiting to go through treatment and the demand then of, for what I was doing. Mm-hmm. It seemed to escalate because people were at home over COVID looking at their teeth, thinking like, oh, I hate these teeth. I want to have something else. You know, the amount of people who did that was, yeah. was frightening. And they both reflect on why they pour so much of themselves into their business and how that mirrors their view on life. Because I don't want to be one of these washed out people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s that think, oh, I wish I'd have just give it a bit more. I wish I'd have done this. You know, I actually do want to die with every drop gone. And as always, there's plenty more. So thanks for joining us and I hope you enjoy. Connor, Adam. Welcome to welcome to the studio. Thanks for coming in. It's a, a bit of an early start for us. How was the journey in? It was all right, not too bad. Yeah. Getting a wee, a wee bit nervous about what I'm going to interrogate you, but how have you been feeling? Because <laughs> it's not your comfort zone, is it? I think we're both intrigued about what you've, yeah. what you've dug up on us. <laughs> do you know, see, to be honest, I mean, there has been things, but I thought, <laughs> do you know what, what better way to sort of organically find out? So I'm not going to surprise you. See, I found that in 2007 you did this, or in 2009 <laughs> you said that, don't worry, I'm going to give you an easy ride. Um, in terms of, for, well, for the listener anyway, to, to sort of paint the picture of who they're listening to. Give us a wee introduction of you both, and I will say, we're going to have to interchange between both of you. So I'll kind of, I'll ask you separately about your lives, and then at which point will your lives then cross over into each other's? Uh, so what do you want to know? Right, so in the t- where, where you grew up, because remember when we first met, I was yeah. like, I cannot place your accent. Yeah. So I grew up in Wigan, which is in between Manchester and Liverpool, literally bang smack in the middle of the two, uh, with my two brothers and sister, and we grew up in kind of a little terrace house, um, didn't really have very much money, and yeah, that was kind of my childhood really, so went to kind of local primary school, as you'd imagine, high school, which, you know, isn't doing so great anymore, hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I grew up, and I um, don't know what else to kind of say, it was kind of just a very normal, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing really extraordinary about it. In terms of your career and stuff, what, because you've, you've done loads of different things, and we'll kind of, I've, I've got a few questions I would like to ask you. But you're a business consultant and speaker, but you don't just go and do that off the bat, do you? Like, what was that sort of progression into into what you ended up doing professionally? I always wanted to be a teacher. That was mm. what I really wanted to do when I was younger. And the way that kind of life worked out, my parents divorced uh, when I was doing my GCSEs, actually. And it's quite a messy divorce. And so I ended up moving in with my mum uh, and needed to, you know, make some money. And so I, at the time, I remember going to, I remember thinking and racking my brains, how could I get a job that's going to at least enable me to progress and that I don't get stuck. So I thought, well, banking, you know, everyone in banking has money, you know, <laughs> that's how it seemed at the time. And everyone gets big bonuses and, you know, I could totally be one of those guys. So I applied for all the different banks and I really wanted to work for Barclays and they were the actually only one that never got back to me. And randomly one day I needed to go into like the local Barclays in Ashton in Makerfield, which is where I, I was born and happened to be speaking to the area manager at the time. And so she was like, oh, you know, what are you doing? Are you going to college? I was like, no, no, I actually want to work for the bank. But like Barclays, you know, you guys never got back to me. So she was like, I tell you what, if you come back on Monday, I'll interview you myself. (laughs) So I was like, 
you know, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, thought I'd won the lottery. Went back home and uh, and then yeah, went back Monday morning first thing and got the job. And was lucky that I worked in kind of retail with you know alongside kind of her really for quite a long time, and then moved over to business banking, and that's really where it all started to get exciting. Mm. Um, and then I got an amazing opportunity to go and work in India, um, which really that that was kind of the, a huge moment for me anyway that changed everything because you know this kind of small town boy who didn't really have very much money you know we grew up you know quite poor really um was suddenly staying in these amazing hotels mm. and you know living the dream and 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 so that's kind of when everything really got going and and that's how I met this other lady her name was Cindy Novotny who was a consultant in like the hospitality world. And then that's really when everything started to kind of get set on fire in terms of the speaking and touring the world and, and that kind of thing. See, with when you started seeing all the nice places and nice hotels and all that, did you think, oh, yes, this has always been in me and now I finally got it? Or are you seeing this and going, oh, there's a, there's a, a new side to life, there's a different world that I can enter into? I think when I was younger, I always... I knew I didn't want to be without money. Mm. And it's not because I wanted to be filthy rich. That's never what it was. But I never wanted to struggle in the same way that my parents did. I remember being really young and my dad would go to the Heinz factory, <laughs> to the outlet. And there you would get all the tins that had been bashed to bits but had no labels. And so, you know, that was kind of the fun for, that was tea that night was you'd pick a, t a tin that didn't look too bashed. <laughs> and you'd hope it was something savoury, you know. Bloody hell. Yeah, but sometimes you'd end up with like, you know, I don't know, those cans of like, Peaches or something. Yeah, or, or like, you know, the, the little cans. And they were actually really good. The ones that had like little sponge cake inside with like yeah. treacle toffee or something. You're thinking, yes, you know, this is amazing. And, you know, that was tea. See, there's obviously something really, you're like, oh, that's funny. And it's kind of, <laughs> in my head, I've got an idea like a game show and it's like, come on down. Yeah, your it was. But actually, it's abject poverty and that's really fucking sad. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? But you know what, at the time, I mean, we knew we didn't really have very much money and my yeah. parents, you know, I remember very clearly, my, my dad worked all the time, mm -hmm. um, every, and still does to this day, he works every hour. Uh, he's, you know, I think that's where I get my my real work ethic is mm -hmm. definitely from my dad. But I remember, I remember my mum coming back and she would have like, you know, 16 like bags plastic bags in each hand and she's like a tiny little woman she's like five foot and you know the lines across her fingers because she'd been so laden up with like tins and stuff you know and she'd like drag them all the way home because she couldn't drive so I remember thinking I don't want to be that person you yeah. know I, I want to have a car I want you know I want to have a good job and and there was a guy who lived not far away from us and he he invented something to do with the lock mechanisms at stadiums um, and he was a brilliant guy he was really really generous and he kind of took me under his wing a little bit when I was younger and he had made multi-millions from s selling this con this idea that he'd, he designed and I think I looked at him and I thought you know I want to be him I want to yeah. be someone that I can look after people or I can you know have enough money to do what I want to do but also have a comfortable life but he was just so generous you know and mm. I thought what a, a wonderful thing that actually money is able to do is yeah. you know empower you to like look after people so so I think that's probably where I got my when I was going to these hotels, going back to your question, it wasn't that, you know, I should have this. It was more of like, it was as if somebody had lit, you know, switched a... a, a yeah, lit a fuse in you. Yeah, lit a fuse in me and thought, you know, wow, this is this is really cool. It's possible. Yeah. It's about visibility, isn't it, and what you can see. It's why I think representation, we'll go on to speak about that as well, but representation is important. Uh, when you hear, I don't know people of colour or different sexuality or, or whatever it may be being represented, whether it's in TV or that you have kind of access to. So you being around this guy, this inventor as well, it's kind of you seeing, oh, this is possible. This guy's from kind of close by to where I'm from. And it's probably yeah. then applied all throughout your life. If you hadn't met him or been exposed to him, you might have not then, I don't know, had the drive or the sort of wherewithal to pursue your sort of business interests yeah. would you agree i think so yeah definitely mm. do you think see with your your dad you're saying he's working all the time but still not making much money it kind of puts to bed the sort of notion that if you're not doing well in life it's because you're not putting in any any effort as well yeah i think so i i think i think there's this whole thing that if you work hard then you'll be successful and, and i i don't agree with that you mm. know lots of people work hard oh yeah and yet always seem to struggle and I think the thing I learned from my dad versus this you know the the other guy who had made an awful lot of money was that my dad made enough to live kind of a, a 
a relatively okay life. But I, I saw in a way that being able to create enough money to look after other people, you know, I, and yeah. I don't know where that came from, actually. You know, I, I always wanted to employ people and give mm. people jobs because, you know, it, from even being young, and I, I don't want to sound arrogant with this, but like I always thought I could do it better. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I looked at all these different pl- things and I was always inventing stuff and creating different businesses. I remember like working out how many we had ducks when we were kids, like how many duck eggs would I need to sell to be able to buy a horse? You know, like that's what, how my mind just would work. And I'd be going to my mom and dad saying, right, if I, if we get another thousand ducks, you know, <laughs> then, then we can have enough to, because like, I really yeah. want this black horse and never got the horse, but you already set up a battery farm. So you yeah, can, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'd like, and I did actually sell the eggs and stuff and made these little labels and things. And I would sell them to all the neighbors and anyone that would pass in the cars, you know, just flag them down. But I think that, that thing was always in me of wanting to create and do mm-hmm. something, you know, don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. It, it completely gives me a good idea of who you are, where you came from, because you always look at people and I think most people think you can look at somebody, their life situation, what they're doing and go, I can tell you where you came from, but in actual fact, you kind of rarely can. There's always been this sort of well-worn path to get there. Mm-hmm. Connor, I'm, I'm conscious that you're just kind of happily sitting quiet I've not come to you but and much of the same question what was your sort of life growing up and then going into what you were studying so I actually was born and lived for a good few years very very close to where Adam was from and so my family originally from Bolton and I think I was very lucky in a way because my dad when I was fairly young I think had maybe lived a similar kind of you know our our parents actually were from very very similar Mm. places similar upbringing similar ages but my dad had been exposed to the west coast of Scotland when he was kind of younger he used to do a lot of martial arts and things so one of his uncles would go up to Oban quite a lot of the time so they used to travel through and stuff so my dad had this kind of dream of I want to get out of here and I want to go somewhere else Um, so when I was kind of three four years old we moved up to Oban my dad kind of was a dental technician so he would make crowns and things so he set up his own business up there he kind of identified that there was a kind of gap in the market for that so um so he moved us up to Oban really I think to avoid probably me having a similar upbringing to mm. what Adam had really so it was quite nice because I think we kind of started almost in the same place and because of this I was kind of taken away and I think kind of growing up in Oban we were a bit less conscious of the fact that money wasn't kind of the same as it was in the city so a little mm. bit of money would tend to go a lot further yeah um and things so I think you know I wouldn't say I kind of grew up very well off really at all we were we kind of struggled at times and things as well but we kind of had more around us more nice stuff yeah. of there so from three four years old we kind of my parents moved us up to Oban and um, myself, my brother, my sister um, kind of went to school there and things. And, you know, I think it had its advantages. It was it was a lovely place to be, to grow up. It was it could be hard as well. Mm. Um, so I went to, to school, um, tiny little primary school, maybe 40, 50 people in it, the whole school. Um, and then went on to a much bigger high school because there's one high school there for like the entire area. So, you know, big, big high school. And really, I think growing up there, I used to I used to struggle a little bit with Oban because, you know, back in you know 20 years ago when I was growing up there, it was it can be quite a, a difficult place to live if you've not come from a kind of small town mm. before. And I think I've never really had that small town mentality, really. But, you know, it's, it's, it could be a place where everybody knew everything about everybody. And I used to kind of I was good in some ways and yeah. maybe tricky in others. Um, but from when I went to school, I was I was keen. I was never massively academically gifted really which is quite strange for someone who's maybe in like a medical career now but I used to always have to work really really hard it didn't come easy to me to yeah required application very much yeah yeah and when I was younger you know I'd I'd say this now with our kids that you know I I look back now and I wish I'd have understood how to learn when I was younger because if I knew then what I know now I think I probably would have found school much easier but Mm. I I really had to push myself at school and kind of get through that and socially I used to find school quite difficult actually with kind of a a social side of things really because of the fact that I was gay and I think Mm. somewhere like that you're very much under the microscope people know Um, and you know and I was kind of held that back in I guess until later on when I went to university and could actually kind of come to terms with that myself but um, at school I kind of uh, later on in school found a really nice group of friends and then kind of worked hard and managed to really kind of get myself into a position where I could get into dental school which was which was not an easy thing to do for me you know I was I was very keen to to try and get into something like that but I never really thought it would be possible and I kind of almost managed to get in through a, a bit of a back door where I hadn't done a lot of science so I could kind of get in a different way because typically it was five A's or you're not getting in and I was mm-hmm. never really I wasn't that kind of academic so yeah um so I managed to get in was it really Dundee there. yeah Dundee mm. um so 
Andy ran a program at the time called like it was like a pre-medical year um, so for me with the grades I have had I managed to get into that which was I don't think I would have got in now um, and it's much much harder now to to get in but I managed to get in that way which for me actually I went to university when I was 17 um, and I was I was a young 17 so I had this kind of year where there was 24 of us kind of pre-dental students and I you know made some of the best friends of my life there really and those people still today you know are, are very good friends of mine but it gave us all a year I think just to to go mad before mm -hmm. the real work began sounds brilliant <laughs> yeah but I think you know I kind of I kind of needed that I think if I'd have gone straight into dental school and from that first <coughs> year I think I would probably have had to reset because I think we just I think we all just needed that yeah. and we all kind of found each other at a good time so I think then from there I was in Dundee for six years really training to do to be a dentist which was was great so some of the best some of the best years of my life there but also some of the most challenging as well because mm. it's, it's intense you know to to get there especially not being super clever you know yeah, I, think. But I feel like with that type of thing it probably goes in your favor a wee bit to have that consciousness of feeling as if you're a wee bit behind because then you probably apply yourself double yeah and then Whereas that maybe somebody who would be like, quote unquote, a gifted student who would then think, oh, I can sail through this and it maybe won't always turn out that way. Yeah, yeah. I think definitely, I, I think we were just, I was talking about this actually just last week where um, I used to study a lot with um, my friend Paul. He, he is, I would say, just naturally he would pick things up and actually then when I would kind of be sat beside him and I'd, be, I'd almost learn how he learned, you know, I'd kind of be watching him and then I'd be like, oh, okay, like the learning process was very, very different mm -hmm. for these people who did seem to pick it up much easier. But, um, and for me, it just took longer and I kind of had to just get my head down and apply myself and mm. keep going until like, till the end. You know, it was a slog, six years of that. You mentioned that school sort of feeling under the microscope and having that knowledge that you were gaining. I assume that you hadn't shared that with anybody. No, I hadn't. I hadn't shared it with anyone. I'd, I kind of hadn't really come to terms with it myself. Mm -hmm. I think if I'd have been in maybe a different environment, I actually think if I'd have... If it had been now, I think it would be much easier. I probably would have come out much mm. earlier. Um, the world was a different place, wasn't it? Yeah, like it wasn't long ago. It was, mm. you know, I finished high school in 2005. So this was like 2000 to 2005. I was at high school. But Oban could be, I think probably anybody who comes from a small town like this. And, you know, I have a friend who actually who was in the year below me who kind of almost, I wasn't really friends with him at school, but I'm good friends with him now, who almost kind of went through the same thing and, you know, it'd be very, you'd have groups of friends and things like that, but there'd be parts of the high school, for example, that like I wouldn't walk through at lunchtime because mm. the people who would sit there because they would say things, you know, and that kind of avoidance, that for me was a big fueling factor and I want to be better than this, you know, mm. I want to, I'm going to make something of myself because I'm, I am, you know, I'm, I'm going to do better than this. I don't, I don't want to be school, avoiding people yeah. in my life. And school, school's a brutal place. No, I think no is. matter where you are in the social hierarchy, everybody at one point or another, some less, some more, but you are exposed to that, aren't you? Like, yeah. what was it for you, Adam, at the school? Like? Same for, well, I actually love school. Um, I really had some great friends there. Um, I mean, I only came out as gay much later, but at school, you know, you'd always get kind of teased, you know, I would mm. be the gay one in the group, even though at the time I, I wasn't really, you know, out. But I actually really love school. Like, you know, I, I had... I think I think it's I think the people that you're with I think are such a massive part of it's the same as when you're an adult, isn't it? You know, the people that you yeah. surround yourself with are everything. And and so at the time I had some there were three other guys who I'd spent all my time with and, you know, would kind of be like a little four pack that would do everything together and, and in a way we were kinda of like the spice girls because we were all totally different, you know, and I would be like posh spice, obviously. And That's hilarious. Yeah. That was your first analogy. The other, so, somewhere, somewhere else, another podcast, guys like, oh, we were like the A team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love the Space Girls. Yeah. Love the Space Girls, but so I'll, I'll let it, I'll yeah, let it go exactly. slide. Um, but yeah, so so for me, I I really enjoyed school. Um, I mean, it was still brutal, don't yeah. get me wrong, you know, because um, I, I, I was probably the same at high school as I am today, you know. Um, so it was obvious, I, well, I think it was probably very obvious that I, I was gay at the time, um, you know, and I got teased for it a lot too, even though you know but um but no so for me i, I enjoyed school I, I think yeah I, but i think having good friends around you definitely yeah. helps you you mentioned um was it in, i think it was in thursday about getting married and stuff are you yeah. are you happy to kind of tell me like yeah. go through that story yeah um what do you want to know how the hell that happens <laughs> because like see, i remember laughing in the chair when you were telling me thinking that's almost as if it's been like written by like a scriptwriter or something yeah. the way it all turned out i think my life actually could be a really funny movie but so i grew up in a really religious family mm. and so we were taken to church multiple times on a sunday and then also through the week and we kind of grew up in a, a very like a happy clappy 
Pentecostal church in Wigan. It's still there today, actually. Yeah. And, you know, there'll be maybe three, four, five hundred people sometimes on a Sunday that would be there. So it's quite a big, uh, a big church. But obviously, with being part of the church, you have certain expectations. And one of those things is, you know, no sex before marriage, no alcohol. Um, I remember for a time there was a, a pastor that came over from America and he kind of banned any over 18s movies. You know, it was, it was really <laughs> like strict. Um, so Jen, who is my ex-wife, uh, we were best friends. We kind of grew up together really. Yeah. And, um, and so when I was 19, uh, this is when everything was kind of kicking off when I worked at Barclays and, and started to travel. We got engaged. You know, I thought, what oh, great idea. Let's get engaged. And because I always wanted to have kids. And and Jen and I still talk now about this. Uh, she's a lesbian now as well, which, you know, is kind of like. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious, really. And no, that, but just in case sometimes people willfully misinterpret things, I just mean by the way things have panned out, it's not hilarious that she's a lesbian. I have to just yeah. make, <laughs> make clarify everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think we were both attracted to each other because we were, I mean, we hung out with, with each other all the time. And so for me, it was kind of just like a natural progression. And mm -hmm. and the way it kind of worked out is, you know, my mum my kind of got remarried. And so the kind of, not that there wasn't room for me in the new place, but, um, you know, it was kind of time for me to then kind of move out on my own. Yeah. And I was still young. I was still a baby, really, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I thought, well, well you know, I'll start my own family, mm -hmm. you know, house and family then. So bought my first house at 19 and started to renovate it, which was an absolute disaster. Um, <laughs> it was like kind of faulty towers, really. Everything was just falling to bits. Um, and then made a bit of money on that. And that allowed me to kind of buy my, my next house, which was like the family house, which we had the kids and stuff in. But um, so, yeah, got engaged at 19 and then married at 21. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Where did you get married? Just locally? No, we went to Rhodes, actually, to Lindos. Ah, yeah. what a place. Mm -hmm. Love Lindos. Yeah. yeah. And then... So you have your two kids. What are your kids' names? Tyler and India. They're cute. I yeah. saw you on holiday. Yeah. I was like, that's nice. Picture perfect. <laughs> but when, how does that kind of, not disintegrate, but how does that kind of then, do you both realise that this isn't for you? It kind of all coincided with me travelling a lot. Mm -hmm. So, and I think for me, I didn't know anyone that was gay when I was younger. That stigma, especially from being from a religious family of, you know, if you are gay, you're going to go to hell, you're going to burn forever, you know, like that's the the thing that is rammed down your throat the whole time. Mm. And so, you know, a big part of it is the, the guilt that goes along with even being gay, you know. And so I think when I started to travel, the thing that travel did for me is actually showed me that I wasn't the one, the odd one out. Yeah. Um, you know, it was everybody else that was surrounding me in my world at that time. They were the ones that actually didn't have the open mind. And so, um, so when I started to travel, that's kind of when I started to notice that actually you could be this fabulous gay man. And like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, you know, not that I kind of did anything about it at the time, but, you know, I certainly started to want to. Yeah. And that's when I thought, because I, I, I didn't know I was gay, you know. I suppose if you've never seen that, re it's all about representation yeah. again and seeing yourself in something or it's anything that's reflected back at you, it's quite hard to then sort of ascertain what your identity is. Yeah, definitely. And Sorry, just to, Go ahead. just to say, I think there's this w kind of weird thing I think that gay people probably can all understand where you look back now, I look back at when I was young and I'll be like, oh, obviously I completely knew I was gay, but at the mm. time you're completely oblivious to it and you kind of, it's you, it's very easy to kind of repress these feelings or just be like, no, no, it's it's not that. Like, I'll just do this instead, you know, or I'll, I'll just get married to a woman or I'll just mm -hmm. have kids, you know, and I think loads of men and women probably find themselves in that situation. It's it's a funny thing to say, like, kind of, you know, you didn't know you were gay. Like, you know, I've been in that situation. You you do know you're gay, but you don't know you're gay as well. It's, yeah. it's really strange. It's a really difficult thing to explain mm. um, because you just want to, you just want to fit in. You know, yeah. you just, you want to have this life that everybody, that your parents expect of you, that, you know, the, the thing that you have yourself, which is why I think, you know, you've ended up in this situation where you ended up married and having children where, you know, I remember for me, it was something you almost mourn where you're like, if, I'm going to be gay, then, you know, I won't be able to have a family. You know, mm. I won't, you know, especially when you're younger and you don't know other gay people who do have kids. Yeah. You know, I don't really know any other gay guys. We don't really know any other gay Still guys who've got kids. Same. You know, and I think, you know, there's there's not many of those people, especially if you grow up somewhere where you're kind of sheltered from it or somewhere small. You just think, well, yeah, like if you're gay, then you can't have that yeah, family. As it's if just, the two things are mutually exclusive, but they don't yeah. have to be. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think then this thing of, well, I like I used to have this where I was like, well, I can't be gay because I, you know, if I'm going to be a dentist, like I don't know any gay dentist, like you can get a dentist who's gay, <laughs> because and also like and I'm not really camp, you know, so I'm not, 
up like you know waving the flag dancing around and you know not that there's anything wrong with that I think but I think you know at the same time when you're like well I'm not like that you know mm. I don't so I can't be you know there's all these like things can mm. trick your mind into thinking well actually no it's, it's probably not that you're gay then it's mm. something else you that know it makes a lot of sense but it's a hard thing to I think you it's know what, but you don't know you know yeah yeah uh, for me the travel was the biggest that was the the thing that ignited it all and, mm-hmm. and I would come home every time because I'd, I'd be away for weeks at a time sometimes flying in out of Manchester to work with all these you know amazing beautiful hotels and in these hotels you would have these amazing gay people that would work there who yeah. would just love their life and they were just they didn't really care and I, I always used to think oh, I wish I was like that you know and then coming home it was almost like living life in colour in one yeah. area when I was away but then when I came back everything was like watching black and white TV you know and and I don't mean that disrespectfully, you know, to, to my ex-wife, but, you know, I wasn't a nice person to be around then. You know, I was really down and all the time, which is not like me. I mean, I'm, you know, like rainbows and glitter. That is me. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I live life in technical. Te- you know, <laughs> Anyone that knows me will say that now. But that's what I was like when I was a boy. And I feel like when I was in my kind of teens and 20s, that was kind of really kicked out of me because... You know, I, I heard all these different stories and I was Googling all the time, you know, like what happens to my kids if I come out as gay? And, you know, so many people say, oh, you lose your kids if you're gay. Or uh, there were these groups that I would kind of go onto the forums and it would all be people that had lost their kids. And and that was like the ultimate fear for me. Yeah. Is, you know, if I come out, I lose everything. That's a shame. Yeah. And in a, in, in a way, you know, the coming out for me was actually quite horrific. I, I didn't. In, it was a horrible period of my life that I would not want to go back to and because I think the every part of my life at the time changed I had mm-hmm. to the church relationship thing broke down massively you know I remember and fuck them then yeah exactly. fuck all crashing about you <laughs> yeah. you're a bunch of fucking I'll yeah. save it there was, a, there was a time I was still part of the church when I was kind of struggling with coming out and the the pastor at the time said you know if we had gay people in the church what responsibilities would we allow them to have and everyone would break off into the little groups and then they would all come back with their ideas of what they thought was acceptable and one person said well I think you know it would be okay for a gay person to make the coffee in the coffee room but I wouldn't want them in the Sunday school and that was the moment I thought fuck this I am out because how can you treat people like that you know if God is supposed to be all about love and God is love where the fuck is the love you know what I mean like how can you be so judgmental against people that you don't know and you know and I still feel that way today you know when I think about religion it really boils my blood that you know people are controlled in this way especially when it comes to homosexuality because I think you know for God's sake you know if you're whiter than white then fair enough but yeah. you're all going home doing all kinds of stuff too so <laughs> you know who can you judge uh, no, no I think you're quite right I think you're absolutely right I think I mean we won't even go down that rabbit hole of discussing that type of theological thing but it's Bad people, isn't it? Let's let's backtrack a little. Yeah, no, but I think you're, I think you're right, and I think you're well entitled to make the to make the point. It boils my blood because it was control for me. It was yeah. just controlling me to be something that it was their version of who Adam should be, and yeah. I, that's and even now, you know, I think that is when anybody tries to control me, I have this like real strong reaction to it, yeah. where I push back hard. You know, and it's like, Quite right. like we were saying before, you know, as soon as Shania Twain, man, I feel like a woman, you want to kick the barn doors off. You know, that's how it feels for me. It's that immediate, yeah. like, bang, I need to get totally. out of this. I mean, I personally, when they were making declarations of no sex before marriage and no booze, I'd be like, well, guys, it's been a pleasure. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll I stop you there. Best, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to I'm head out. now. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Um, you, what were you travelling to India for? Was that just bank stuff? Yeah, so, um, so my boss at the time, um, had they were looking for somebody who would go over to India for maybe five, six months at a time to set up this big center. It wasn't anything to do with kind of call center kind of thing, but it was all of the processing stuff that um, that was going to be offshore to, to India. And so I thought, you know, what a great opportunity. Yeah. And, and, you know, it blew my mind because loads of people turned it down. And I thought, well, you know, if, if you want to have something that, you know, yeah. other people don't have, you got to do stuff that people don't want to do. Too so right. I thought, well, let's go for it. And it was like 12 hour shifts. And I was like, yeah, sign me up, you know. And so I went out there with a friend of mine, Val. And she was, you know, like a second mum almost to me. She was so fabulous because she was always had these like matching jewelry sets and stuff. And she was the first woman that was like that, you know, this like confident, powerful, sassy, fabulous woman. So um, naturally, obviously, I gravitated towards her. <laughs> and... Um, so yes, yeah, so I went over there and we worked over there and came back and, and forward for a good few years actually. Um, and it was a, a, an amazing 
time in my life. Yeah. Whereabouts was it? It was in Chennai, so South oh, India. Nice, mm-hmm. nice place to be. Yeah, yeah. And at the weekends we would go, there was a, a, an orphanage nearby called Sivananda Orphanage and we would go, Bal and I would go on our weekends and we would go and just teach him stuff, play football with him oh, and things. That's and lovely. It was just the best. And then mm. we came back to the center that we worked and we raised loads of money and did loads of stuff for them. But it was brilliant just to, like, it wasn't brilliant in the sense that, you know, oh, wow, wasn't it great that you see this, you know, poor and rich together. But I'd never seen such incredible wealth, like an apple, brand new shiny apple shop, and then literally propped up against the side of it was somebody's house. And they would come out with their, like, most amazing, beautiful saris, you know, uh, and it would blow my mind that people could have this, like, yeah, existence. major disparity. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to th- I was about to ask you, I'm conscious I've asked you so much, and I'm going to come back over to you, <laughs> Connor. Um you graduate from you would have graduated from uni. You went and did a masters, I believe, a few years later. Yeah. So after, so I qualified in 2011 from Dundee, and I started to work. I did my like training year, my probationary year in Calendar, um, with it was actually with two dentists who were very very different characters. So one of them um, was kind of a bit more of an old school, like very chatty character, like was. was a, bit of a kind of lovable rogue really and he would kind of be saying all things to patients and people would be like I can't believe he's saying that <laughs> um, and then my other trainer Will um, was he was very much like an academic so he was like kind of specialised he works in the dental hospital now but he was very methodical and particular and stuff so being around those two characters for me when I qualified actually was was brilliant because I, I got to see both sides of the kind of both sides of the spectrum yeah. and um, so after that I went to work in uh, Kilmarnock um, and it was predominantly NHS practice, and it was very much kind of NHS dentistry is very much based on. Be careful what I say here. Um, it's very much based on kind of volume of you know you see this many checkups, you do this, you do that, and you know for me when I started to do that, it was quite kind of fun at first because you'd be in the pace of things, and then after a little bit of time, I kind of started to feel like just I can't do this treadmill forever, yeah. running at hundred miles an hour you know, check up after check up after, you know, all these things. So I really wanted to, to do more than just being a kind of being, doing routine dentistry. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did like a couple of like year long courses, which actually is how I came to meet Adam because I would be up and down so kind of early on in my career. I, I realized that I need to invest in myself. I need to go and do courses and, you know, do things that I naturally, I think you don't want to do, you know, most people don't want to go down to Manchester once a month when, you know, they could just not, you know, so I think, you know, I kind of started to push myself a little bit and and do that. And then after a little bit of time, actually, after I'd I'd met Adam, I kind of wanted to have the actual, the chops to back up really a lot of what I was doing. So um, I took the decision to go and do a master's in Preston, um, which was, it was a big time commitment really. And also for being somebody who's not a a huge academic, it terrified me. You know, I, I, was very unsure actually whether I would be able to do it and you know because it was just I thought to myself like I'm just not a, like a like a postgraduate master's kind of person so um but luckily a lot of it was clinical as well so um but it was so I used to go down um to UCLan and Preston maybe twice a month um so I would get up drive down you know on a Thursday morning I'd be working the Monday Tuesday Wednesday go up drive to Preston work a full day there on a Thursday or study and then come back on a Thursday night and then work on a Friday um, but really that gave me the the knowledge and the background actually more of a kind of a traditional kind of dentistry sense of okay I need to have more knowledge and actually I felt the more I started to learn the more I started to realize how little I knew about what I was doing yeah. and my kind of hunger then for more grew and um, so that took me three years to do and it was it was really really hard you know, I've I finished it, I passed it, I did actually, I did well in it, but it was, it was a real challenge for me to do that. And I'm proud that I, proud that I yeah. did it. I was going to say standard grade um, exams for me were like the ultimate effort. So to be doing that in conjunction with your work and the travel and stuff, it's a hell of a commitment. Yeah, yeah. it it was the same as, you know, I've, I found standard grades hard and I found hires hard, you know, <clears throat> to me, every single thing that I've done has just been, I guess you just kind of, yeah. I teach this kind of say this to the kids a lot where every year seems like a huge leap and you know by the end of it, it it's okay you know yeah. but you know it was a it was a big struggle for me and I had some you know I had some good people there around me and it, luckily it was it was a small group there was only five of us who did who 
at the end of the year. Um, so I got like support and help where I needed it and stuff. But like the kind of writing. So when in dentistry, when I did my undergraduate, you don't write a dissertation or anything in dentistry, but we had to for our masters. And that for me was hard to sit and have the discipline and write a, a big document. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I couldn't have done it. Uh, couldn't have done I'm it. I'm amazed I did, but I did. And you did good. It's done now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is this where you two then crossed over? Is this where you meet? No, so we met uh, a little bit before then. Yeah. Um, so I'd flown home, actually. So my ex-wife, she had a date. Um, so we, we'd, we'd kind of split at this point. And she had a date on Valentine's Day uh, 10 years ago, almost. Yeah. And I was working away. I was working, actually, with a Dorchester group uh, of hotels. And I can't remember where I was, but I, I remember I, I was... She said, well, am I flying home to have the kids? So I flew home, wasn't supposed to. And then Connor was also staying at his auntie's house, which was literally like a mile from where my house was. And, you know, online dating, obviously. So, you know, so they're all the rage. So we kind of, Connor sent me a little message and then that was it. Um, But if I wouldn't have come home, then we would never have met. Um, Yeah, it was like one of those moments in time that it was just meant to be. Sliding doors moment. Yeah, it it was, it really was. And then I'd been catfished a few times before, you know, so I was kind of... Speaking to the catfishing expert here, man. (laughs) Really? Everybody, I I get my pictures used all the time. Is it really? really? Ah, fuck. I'll send you the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, you'll have to. I'll send you the episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's nuts. Well, so yes, yeah, so I've been catfished a few times before I'd met Connor. And so I thought, right, there's no way, you know, because he had this like really cute little T-shirt on his profile, looked like a sailor, which is, you know, a big tick for me. <laughs> so I was like, oh, oh my God, like, you know, this guy looks quite cool. So I was like, you know, if you are who you say you are, send me a picture. And it was like, oh, well, you know. Holding up a newspaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what we, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was flying back out then to go carry on working only like a couple of days later. So by that stage, we'd text, we'd not really talked on the phone. And um, so I was like, okay, if you're who you are, then I need to, I need proof, you know, because I'm not doing this dance anymore. We've been spent enough time doing that. So I was in Munich airport and in Munich airport was a big clock right in the middle. And so I I just got there because uh, my connection, uh, I've got like a dirt cheap ticket, you know, and so I had to go through Munich. And then, so I wrote, hi, it's Adam. I got this Chinese lady to hold my phone and take a picture of me underneath the clock, clock sent it to Connor. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, okay, now it's your turn. You know, like, let's <laughs> see what you can produce. Yeah. yeah. I think it was this like, do you know you get those things? It's like dating profiles where people use like their best professional picture. And then yeah. when you see an actual picture of them. You're like, oh, I actually don't look anything like that. Yeah, like, exactly. You'll yeah. be the same person, but you're like, mm-hmm. that doesn't look like you. Yeah, and that was my worry, you know, because you get hooked in. And then so that night we, we arranged to have our, our first kind of chat and we spoke the whole night uh, for a couple of hours, same the day after, same day after. So then Connor was like, you know, do you want to come up and let's have a date in Glasgow? So I thought, okay, well, let's do it. The rest is history. Yeah, it was. I should actually ask, so you're saying you're, you're working for the Dorchester Group? Mm-hmm. How did you go from banking to working with hotels? So when the financial crash kind of happened, um, the work that I was doing, the project I was on, really stopped. Um, mm. And my boss at the time was brilliant. Um, and because I was out in India when the whole Mumbai like terror attacks and oh, stuff happened. Geez. Yeah. Uh, and so our hotel was one of the ones that got not attacked, but we got flagged for an oh, attack, um, which was horrific. Um, and so my boss, he was brilliant. He really was a, a fantastic boss and he was really inspirational. Um, but he wanted to look after us and, and make as few people redundant as possible. So at the time he was, he hired this lady over from America who would come in and do these like motivational talks to keep the spirits of like all the staff um, really, you know, high. And she was getting paid a fortune for doing this. And and so I came back from India, didn't have a job really. And so, it, you know, I, they kind of just said, well, do you want to like look after her kind of thing, you know, and like set up for her and do whatever she needs. So that's how I met her and did that for a little while. And in a way it was kind of a bit of an, a warm-up act, you know. Um, and then she was like, you should definitely come and work for me. You know, you've got this thing. And, you know, I think people would really you know, like you to come and, and teach them about service. Because that's really what I was doing already. Yeah. You know, I was all about business and service and leadership and motivating people, all that kind of stuff. That was my, my, my job. So I went and opened my own business at the time. Um, I, I left Barclays and uh, took a, a job with AO.com. So I was the first HR person right. um, when they were only a few hundred people. And um, so set loads of stuff up for them before they went massive. Um, and then at the time while I was doing that, also was in doing this work with uh, her name, Cindy. And then as that really started to take off and I got the taste of what hotel life was like, then I thought, this is amazing. And then that's when I started to work more with her and travel all over the world working with, you know, Four Seasons and Jemira and Peninsula and 
Burj Al Arab in Dubai and places like that. You still get a discount code. Yeah, I can give you that later. <laughs> yes, please do. Talking <laughs> to go to Dubai so I can go to one of the water parks. Yeah, I'll forever just be the a, well, what a water kid. park. What yeah. a place that is. Yeah, actually, weirdly, what I played football with a guy in Barcelona. I saw his LinkedIn today, and he's works. He, I don't know. He sells rides. Or he sells like slides and stuff to water parks. Really? I just think no, like that job. must be what a job. The best job ever. Yeah. Uh, well, testing them would be the best job yeah, ever, yeah. but then after that would be selling them. Oh, so you've then accumulated all this sort of hospitality experience. Yeah, yeah. You go out and you're dating Glasgow. I take yeah. it you just thought you knew that was it. Yeah, so I think we had like a lot of things, <coughs> like a lot of background and things in common, like loads of things. I think a similar kind of upbringing, similar. Mm -hmm. Our parents are very similar, you know, like lots and lots of things. So I remember when we were on our dates, like we were chatting, and I said to him, I said to Adam, you know, you, you should really think about doing like some of the, like bringing the hospitality stuff into dentistry because there was, there's another couple of people who do kind of something similar. But, you know, I think immediately, like when I met Adam, you can tell he's this little twinkle in his eye and this like kind of the, the magic is there, you know. Yeah. And so I said to him, you know, I think you could really, you know, do something in dentistry with this as well. And mm -hmm. that kind of you know first date we were really coming up with business plans yeah it was yeah, yeah. it was like literally I was thinking, right, let's do totally this do yeah. it, you know and, you know and that's kind of we've been the same ever since really haven't we we're always like looking for an idea or we go away somewhere we're like oh wouldn't it be great to like own a house here and you can rent it out and have this <laughs> like holiday letting business you know we it, it's kind of we do this a lot don't we entrepreneurial um, mindset always, yeah, always i think so yeah i find it an opportunity yeah I, I think you know meeting connor was like you know, in like two plus two equals four. Mm -hmm. For for me anyway, it was, you know, two plus two equals like a million. You know, that's how it kind of was. And that's how it's been for the last 10 years, really. You know, everything we've done is always, I'm more of the, like, you know, the screw it, let's do it book. You know, that is me. I, yeah. I'll i worry about how we pay for it later, but like, let's just do it, you know. And Connor is much more of the, okay, let's think about this, Adam, you know, we could get bankrupt here or you know so connor's the chancellor yeah connor's the chancellor and, like i call him the brakes you know and i'm like the pedal yeah um, so and and, and and i think that's you need you need both to you function, need both, don't you? you do yeah and i think yeah. that's why everything we've done because we've renovated properties and stuff in the past as well and you know we love interior design and 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 obviously now with the, the clinic but you know we want it's all to do something that is exceptional, you know, and I think that's the thing that we both do share is is this thing of like, if we're going to do it, then it has to be amazing. You know, yeah. we want people to go, oh my God, that was, did you see what they just did? You know, that, because <laughs> that, that for me is like the spark, you know, it's the fun bit of, you know, because dentistry, de dentistry was not my goal. You know, it's for me, den the dentistry is, you know, it's I don't. It's kind of by the by for you. It's yeah. the experience that the person has. It's the experience, has. Yeah. 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 And you're going to deliver in the, the obviously the dental yeah goods. the actual i think we both have so i like when i grew up i had a lot of kind of hospitality experience as well i used to work in restaurants and my dad and his ex-wife now um they had a guest house and stuff so i think seeing that seeing the experience and how that kind of linked in was something actually that mm -hmm. that kind of linked us together as well i think at the start and and knowing about hospitality and restaurants and hotels and things and i think seeing how maybe we could bring our this idea that we have in our head of making something just you know looking at it and saying well it doesn't need to be like that you know yeah. and how could we do this but just make it so much better and give it heart or you know make it that the person who comes into it just feels brilliant mm -hmm. you know that that was something i think really from the off i remember like on our first date so when i met adam actually he kind of touched on this but he wasn't you were still kind of in a little bit of a difficult place i remember on our, one of our earlier dates like you know, you wouldn't hold my hand. We were in Glasgow and stuff. Like, you wouldn't touch me and stuff. It was still quite conditioned to not mm. to not be like that. Um, but it took you a little while, I think, to yeah, to really come back to, like, what you're like now. You weren't really like that at first. I think, you no. you know, it took you a bit of time. And I actually think when you moved up here, then that kind of brought you to life again a little bit. Um, where was I going before that? I think you were saying how great. <clears throat> Just how great you Yeah, are. I think that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> really that's great. great. You've been able to, to give them that as well. And it's like a, a wee piece of you that was missing has been found in you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember you saw always, like Adam used to always say, you know, it was kind of as we, kind of as you got like more comfortable and like, you know, because me and Adam were very childish, like we play just really, really childish, like for grown men were ridiculous. <laughs> I'm the same. Uh, and we're like, you know, taking the mic out of each other, like jumping out, scaring each other and stuff. And, you know, I remember him saying, you, you know, speak my language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like two 12 year old boys. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like just having like games and like messing around all the time. But I remember you said, you know, I feel like I've, 
I feel like I used to feel now when I was younger, you know, and mm. your mum said this a few times as mm. well, like kind of it's normal now because the difference, you know, it's been like this for a long yeah. time, but, you know, you you, you struggled, I think, because you're still like, when I first met you, you were still in that kind of place of... Mm. Yeah, very much so. Not quite being as fabulous as you are now, although it was there. <laughs> it was definitely so there. It just had to be pulled out a wee bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've kind of touched on it then. So, House of Dentistry, you just decide we're going to go for it? Yeah, well... There was, a, there was a bit of a background, wasn't there? So before COVID, um, I have a bit of a, a kind of love-hate relationship sometimes with dentistry. So dentistry is very intense, um, mm. especially when you're working on people who are quite, you know, I, I, intentionally I want to work on people who are quite high demand. People, these people t- tend to come to me, people mm-hmm. who are, you know, fussy, they want something specific. They've maybe, you know, not like what they've had before, maybe because they've had something or they just don't like it. They haven't liked what they've got for a long time and, and they're, they're particular, you know, and with dentistry, a millimeter is a mile. So yeah. if, you know, a little mistake somewhere at the beginning will translate into a huge error, then later on, you know, that it's a discrepancy away from where you are. So I always had this thing and there's a real culture, horrible culture actually in dentistry of dentists getting, you know, being terrified of getting sued or struck off over mm. this and over that. And, you know, that for me actually is somebody who's quite sensitive, actually kind of beneath all the like the fun and the games you know actually for me that that's something I really don't enjoy about dentistry and so before COVID um as I said to Adam like I'd I really like us to have an out and I want we wanted to do we want to have a business of some kind um but I was like I really don't want to I don't know if I want to do it in dentistry and I didn't want to do it in dentistry so um we actually bought it was like an old farm mm-hmm. wasn't it so um we bought this old farmhouse and we renovated it we've we've really enjoyed renovating properties and kind of the excitement of that we like to see something change and get better and I think that's just been like a, a physical manifestation of that mm-hmm. um, so we bought this farm we renovated the house and right before COVID we had these plans to build this amazing like luxury wedding venue almost like a like a barn wedding venue but all glass it looked almost like a like a veil over the top of it we had these architect plans we were all set to go we spent months and thousands and thousands of pounds on planning consultants and things like that getting it all through and then because of covid the planning was particularly difficult because of what we wanted to mm. do it was quite kind of avant-garde for being in the countryside um so the planners in south Ayrshire, we kind of we were really struggling so we kind of went through this whole planning thing and then covid kind of hit and because the wedding industry and kind of that kind of industry was very badly hit kind of all the potential for funding and things like that yeah. was all kind of drained so we kind of just said look i think we need to we need to not do this and we kind of put it to bed for a little bit but we we still wanted to to do it because we had a great experience where we got married and it was kind of another thing where we were like after we got married we we're like oh we should totally do this we could do an amazing wedding venue you know i bet and you were saying that as you were exchanging your vows yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we actually looked at buying the, the venue that we actually yeah, got, married in, the yeah. venue we got married in didn't yeah we? um so we kind of got to this point and then over covid obviously things kind of changed a little bit but also that over covid i where a lot of dentists kind of just stopped working um adam kind of encouraged me he was like you know you should be doing you know facetime consultations with people and things mm-hmm. like that so actually when by the time we could go back i actually had a lot of people waiting to go through treatment and the demand then of for what i was doing mm-hmm. it seemed to escalate because people were sat home over covid looking at their teeth thinking like oh, i hate these teeth i want to have something else you know the amount of people who did that was yeah. was frightening so you know i kind of went back to work after being worried before like as covid happened that like we'll even have a job to go back to you know i, I went back then just really being surrounded by people who wanted mm. me to do the skill which actually brought me a lot more enjoyment than what we were doing before mm. so um in dentistry kind of the other thing that's happening is a lot of there's like kind of a few kind of corporates bigger corporates which are tending to buy a practice so a lot of the previously independent practices and um, especially with some of the changes on the nhs and things like that are now just being bought up by these practices which gives you younger dentists less of an opportunity to buy in to their practice so typically you know a dentist who worked there would buy it they would take over and stuff but i don't know what the percentage is but the the percentage of practices now in scotland which are owned by one of maybe three or four corporates is really really high and i'd left my previous job because it had been corporatized and then kind of we started to look we kind of had this idea that after covid i kind of started to say right okay well maybe maybe we need to think about doing this maybe we need to think about doing it our way and mm-hmm. you know actually just putting the wedding venue to bed and, and bringing dentistry and this idea together so yeah. um we kind of started to look at ideas just as a bit of a just a bit of a we were on holiday weren't we and i remember we were just batting around ideas we could do this we could do that we didn't know what it would look like and then 
right when we came back off the holiday, the practice that I worked in at the time told me that a corporate was taking over, like at the end of the month kind of thing. So that was that was quite a stressful time because that really wasn't like a situation that I wanted to to be in. Really, no, the way that the practice was going to mm-hmm. run and things like that would have been probably very very similar. I just didn't really want to. So I think that was like the rocket for us then, and we were like, right, we need to we need to do this now. We're game on. So and did, did you just what? Well, I'll give an, an explanation of how I perceive. It to be. I love this description. Because this is authentic. So <laughs> it's, it's like a like a sort of glitter-filled asteroid that has come crashing into the world of dentistry. <laughs> <clears throat> but when you walk in, it's like it's I was telling my pal actually the other day and I was like, it's like a cross between a really upmarket bar and a fancy hotel. Cause it's like you go in and you smell it, and you like does you don't smell like antiseptic, it smells yeah, yeah. like aftershave yeah. or perfume, and then it's just it's opulent like it's really luxurious was that just from the start did you think we're going to make this and you can explain as well what's your tagline for how you would describe it to somebody i think house is is like you know i think sitting here and explaining our background i think it it makes perfect sense you know that 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 feeling you know that you get when you walk in it doesn't feel like a dentist doesn't smell like it doesn't look like a dentist walking into a brand new show home yeah yeah Yeah. that's important to us you know we like that about are you know we wanted it to be just really bougie and yeah. you know you come in and you think oh, like what's this but also that it's got the chops to kind of mm-hmm. the dentistry is there as well oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it backs it up and you know with house we had a real opportunity to just start from scratch you know and just be like well we looked at you know could we should we buy over an old practice and convert it and mm-hmm. change it and stuff but we always just felt like oh just no because it's still going to have that the culture will be the same and things yeah. so we wanted to like and when we took the building on we just said right we just we want to think about the person who's getting out of their car and going into the building and like what's their experience of it like yeah. not like not what suits the ben- dentist the best or not what's easiest for us how can we make the person who walks in how can we make that experience amazing for them because when i sit anytime i'm in and when when someone comes down to get me i'm like nah i just want to sit here for another <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes and people do yeah. you know people ask like do we have wine do we have prosecco like can, you know <laughs> yeah, someone said can we start it. selling yeah can we start doing cocktails you know and and i i love that because yeah. you know what's the the last thing you would associate with going to the dentist know. you know wanting to sit there and, and sometimes we'll be sat like there's a little camera that you know watches the lobby because it's not called a waiting room it's a lobby and and people are just chatting to each other like complete strangers. i yeah. went down the other day just to to chat to somebody actually and there were these four ladies didn't know each other and they were all just chatting away and they were having like a great time and they were like can you just leave us here for a few more minutes I, know, I, I, just, like, want, I just want to be left yeah, each time yeah. and then a supermodel will come down and get you into <laughs> like, whichever place you need to be I, I suppose a different different dentist or a different specialist for each thing yeah, as well yeah yeah um if you if you were I feel like you could put bedrooms in and people would like book to stay yeah in the hotel yeah. 100%. if we had a hotel though it would it would be very similar you know if we had a restaurant mm. it would be very similar it's just mm-hmm. the rooms are just yeah surgeries that's that's really the I suppose difference. It, it changes the experience completely of going to the dentist because yeah. you can get some some great dentists and it's very comfortable but it's like yeah i'm very aware i'm in a dentist i always have that sort of wee on edge feeling yeah most times because you're like you can smell it and it's very quiet and it's sort of like when you're in the reception you think we're going to sit here yeah nervously wait so it's a completely different experience it is and i think you know to to combat that you know because fear is the number (coughs) one thing that puts people off going to the dentist even now um and you know the thing that we tried to create is how do we fuse together these two worlds of fashion hospitality looking after people making people feel great you know when you walk past the abercrombie and fitch shop you yeah. know you always smell it and it draws you in you know even if you don't necessarily buy anything it still catches your eye and you know that's what we tried to do with house is to create this thing that people talk about you know and and why why should dentistry you know why does it have to be white why does it have to smell like cleaning fluid you know yeah. and because it doesn't you know and i think the thing that we've very consciously tried to do is design every aspect so it touches on every sense it makes somebody feel and forget where they are um and then they leave you know there was a lady that was in just at the start of the year uh, this older lady who is a fabulous woman but she was shaking you know like so fearful and then she was in just the other day had her final you know like teeth yeah. fitted kind of thing and 
you know, she's hugging, she's high-fiving, she's like doing a catwalk up and down. I think, <laughs> you know, she's like a different woman. Yeah. All because of the experience that she's had. And I think, you know, if, if more if more people uh, had that approach, just in business in general, you know, about of looking after people and actually thinking, what is it actually like for somebody to sit in that seat, to see what they see, you know, to smell what they smell? I think retail in general would be a different place because that's kind of what I consider our clinic to be like. It is an experience rather than it being a, yeah. a you know a medical facility, even though yeah, it is just a medical process. Yeah. Um, you know, we we spoke about the other day about the whole Simon Sinek mm-hmm. thing. I'll start with why. If anybody hasn't seen this, Simon Sinek, he's like an author and speaker and I think business person, but he basically explains this concept of why the biggest brands um, succeed the way they do, whether it's Apple or even the Wright brothers when they invented flight. It's like because they always start with why, not what. So mm-hmm. Apple's tag is like, we want to change the world and that's what motivates them. And then therefore they do everything to the absolute best of their ability and it's what separates them because it... it targets the part of the brain and a person which deals with emotion and feeling and and identity and stuff so it seems to me to be the same with, with what you do so what is it why why do you do that because it's a lot of effort it's a lot of time it's a lot of money a lot of investment a lot of risk yeah and it's not just because you think well we want to do people's teeth and have it smelling nice like what is that fundamental drive i think it's a representation of us like houses are is our baby you know and i think like for me and i know for you definitely it wouldn't be good enough for us to just do it the normal way like and i think a lot of it is that that's what we want to do you know and and we don't want to be told no i think Mm. because we've we want to do it this way i think you know i think both of us have been told no so many times you know we don't do it this way we don't do it that way you know and actually you think oh that's such a really good idea you know i think for someone to come in and feel amazing. I remember, you know, you wanted the, the concierge girls to have mm-hmm. really nice outfits on, you know, yeah. and, and we realized actually for some people that, you know, some people love that in the same way that like they would go and see an air hostess and they associate it with that. But for some people it's really alien and they're like, oh, I go to the dentist and there's these girls and they've got nice clothes on, you know, who come and like sit me down and show in and, you know, they feel quite, they look quite glam and... Can confirm it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> 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 But, you know, it, it's based off, you know, we wanted people, we want those girls to feel good as well because yeah. we want, you know, for us, it's as important that the people who walk through the door feel good as it is that our team feel good, you know, and yeah. we want the team to feel like they're part of something bigger. It's not just a normal place where, you know, they come to work, they clock off, they go home and they don't care. You yeah. know, I think actually the heart, you know, which is something that we try to put right in the middle of everything we do, the heart kind of beats. And in order for that to happen, I think, you know, the experience has to come first i think yeah with mm-hmm. all of it i think that was just so important to us i, I think for for me i want to be known for creating something exceptional <laughs> and everything that we've done so far over the last 10 years as a, a couple together has been really really exceptional you know, i'm so proud of everything that we've done whether it's been a house or if it's been a, a venture that we've done you know everything and, and i think i'm when i look back let's say in 20 years time or, you know, whenever we look, you know, and we, when, whenever we decide that we've had enough, I want to look back and say that was amazing. Mm-hmm. We did something that actually we believed in that was tons of fun, you know, and because I don't want to be one of these washed out people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s that think, oh, I wish I'd have just give it a bit more. I wish I'd have done this. You know, I actually do want to die with every drop gone, you know, <laughs> out of me, rang out of me. Um, and, and I think the thing with house, the reason it's called house is because in a house lives a family. And for me, culture and family is so important, uh, you know, to be able to look after people. I treat the girls and the, the guys that work for us like my brothers and sisters, not like they work for us. They are not the staff. You know, they are part of us. They are an extension of who we are. Mm-hmm. We're very careful who we surround ourselves with. But in return, what they get is somebody in their corner who will fight to the death for them you know if they need something they get it yeah. you know and, and and my job as their boss is to help them to discover who they are you know and, and all the girls and guys that, have, that work for us now have grown massively over the last 12 months you know Kendall who works for us started off as our admin girl really but same with all the girls you know they're all chomping at the bit of can I you know when you open the next clinic can I go and do this there yeah. or you know can I go do this course because I want to you know and I love that you know because Generally, I think people, from my experience, they get to a point and then they almost check out. You know, it's almost like that's kind of good enough for me now. Whereas 
I want those girls to have an incredible life because yeah. they happen to coincide, you know, collide with our lives, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of thing is what happens is, you know, they become more because of it. And so, so that, that's what I want from what we're doing. You know, it's yeah. the sense of pride and doing something that unlocks other people. It's, it's kind of like often people will, will have an, like an experience like you had with sort of mentors and, and paths of experience and sometimes can quite often pull the ladder up behind them but it's you're kind of extending the hand that you were once fortunate yeah. enough to get Connor you said um, that people have said to you no no we don't do it this way and, and Simon Sinek start with why he says the most dangerous words I remember one I was doing a speech at this one place and some I said oh you know we're, we're just having the marble put down this week for the, the guest bathroom for the client bathroom and someone laughed like out loud and was like and you know I remember one I was doing a speech at this one place and some I said oh you know we're, we're just having the marble put down this week for the, the guest bathroom for the client bathroom and someone laughed like out loud and was like and you know me being me I was like you know what the fuck are you laughing at? Little snidey little kind of comments yeah. of, you know, like, who do they think they are? And, you know, why? I remember one, I was doing a speech at this one place and some, I said, oh, you know, we're, we're just having the marble put down this week for the, the guest bathroom, for the client bathroom. And someone laughed like out loud and was like, and, you know, me being me, I was like, you know, what the fuck are you laughing at? <laughs> and they were like, why would you put marble down in a patient toilet? And I was like, if someone's going to come and choose to spend even a pound with us, yeah. then they should have something nice to go, you know, like, why would you not? I, yeah, no. Why would you not? And, you know, and the, the guy kind of, you know, shut up and went white. And that uh, that was me then on like a tirade then yeah. for the, you know, the next part of my speech about why it's so important to not just sink yeah. to the lowest level. Was that on your soapbox? Oh my yeah. God. Because that, that one thing of, you know, why would you do that? You know, I think, you don't want it to not? be like a supermarket bathroom. Yeah, exactly. I think, medicine, dentistry, you know, in general, you go to like a GP surgery, you know, it, it's everybody does the same thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, a variation of the same thing. And, you know, when we, I think this is one of the things that was made us very keen to just do our own thing is that we didn't want to have that, like, no, you can't, no, you yeah. can't. Because people, you know, you know, I, I, we know a lot of people and, you know, it's difficult, you know, mentioned about like mentorship and things like that. And, you know, we try hard, I try hard with the dentists, we both try hard, you know, Adam tries very hard with the, the girls and the team that they have someone to mentor them, you know, and I yeah. think, you know, from us, people who, you know, I think we've both maybe been burned with this before, where people who, you know, ideally we would like as mentors who, you know, have maybe started us off on the journey and then we've grown, you know, kind of have them pulled up the ladder, you know, so actually we find now that doing what we do actually can be quite lonely because there's not there's not really anybody who's who's doing it at the same time. And you do have to be a bit mm -hmm. protective of your idea as well because, yeah. you know, it, it's unusual and it's different. And, you know, we're both either maybe very delusional or confident in the fact that people will start to adapt and, you know, implement some of the things that, that we have done. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's innovating the industry and it's forging a new path. Yeah. And it's offering something different. Yeah. You look across the landscape for me, for, for, okay, so for a dentist, it's like... Well, here's your option. It's a hundred of very much similar. Pick yeah. one. Like, and not to say that there's not to be disparaging or to say there's anything wrong with that or ultimately you won't get the outcome that you desire. But as I go through the process of attaining that outcome, I would like to have an air hostess sit me down and get me my cup of tea <laughs> yeah. to walk in and go, this smells great. Even when you, the first time I went in the bathroom and I was like, as I was opening the door, I thought... Is there going to be a guy in a tuxedo in here? <laughs> <laughs> like offering me mints and shave. Like, that's a good idea. You know, we could never do that. Yeah. That's what's going to be there next time I come next in. Next time we come in. But yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it's um, it's a fantastic place. I think people, if anyone wants to have a look, they can go and check out your social media, your website, and see for themselves. But um, yeah, it's a place that I certainly enjoy going. I never thought I'd say that about a, a dentist, but there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've got a wee point at the end, I always call it like a tabloid segment. You've got all the thoughtful questions and I've gone away and done my research and I'd like to ask this and to talk about your motivations. Here's what I just want, the juicy stories. What are your best sort of dental mishaps? Or you, you must have like your dinner table stories or the ones you want to make people scream in horror at what you've seen or what you've experienced. What would they be? I know I've put I've you on had, the spot there. I've had a few good ones. <clears throat> so I've had somebody before I had a lady before show me she was telling me what she wanted from her teeth what she wanted things to look like and she was kind of flicking through her phone but I think obviously <laughs> she'd like come in mm -hmm. to maybe like a little bit 
of money and she like she was yeah. she was going through a bit of an upgrade i think just in more ways than just her teeth um so she, i think she'd obviously scored. been for like a consultation for a boob job as well so like right <laughs> beside the pictures of the teeth that she wanted this is a picture of her like stood oh, her top God. off obviously from the, the boob job consultation <laughs> and she was like she kind of flipped through it quickly and she was like oh she's like that's not me and i was like <laughs> oh. i was like i know it's kind of got your face though yeah i know i was yeah. like i just i'm so I know. on your phone then yeah yeah i know that's definitely you it was so it was, that was a bit that's a bit awkward but she comes back now we're still friends um, <laughs> that's probably that's probably one of the worst um i think all the other ones have been you get a lot probably not so much now you know but you you don't realize actually sometimes how people don't maybe like can look after their their mouths and mm. things like that so i've i've had people before you know like taking dentures out and there's like know toast stuck underneath oh, it God. you know there yeah i would i would i would really struggle that's, doing the job yeah, that that's a bit for me it's something you know fortunately we don't mm -hmm. tend to get too much <laughs> um in the past you know i've seen there's been some sites um i've also had uh, a friend of mine when she was i think it's when we were at university she was in my same group um two things actually one too hilarious but um one of the girls pulled a guy had something wrong with his gum she pulled kind of something out in between it and it was like a bit of a toenail oh. so he like cut his toenails and he used to like almost like flossing his oh, teeth and pushing it between his teeth like you said That's we gross. were saying i think off mic people can be disgusting yeah. <laughs> uh, so, oh jesus christ I yeah, i'd struggle i, I went to uni with this girl she was a little bit older and um, then the rest of us she was kind of postgraduate and she would she would blush very very easily and this one time she was we were treating patients and she was sat in the kind of baby beside me treating this lady and her she thought one of her hairs had fallen out onto this lady's face so she like went she was like oh i'm really sorry and like went to pull it and it was actually like a hair on the woman's face oh, and, no. the, and the, <laughs> the woman screamed at her. and this girl she was like she was bright red literally you feel the heat that's, if, if anyone ever finds yourself in a similar situation <laughs> leave it just leave it just don't don't touch don't, don't uh, have you ever had any mad stuff adam in your sort of hotel time or were you more of a sort of background as opposed to being in the front line most of my funny stories have been actually the traveling to these places because I, I have one of those faces that people just come and talk so <laughs> you know you can get like the people that you really don't want to talk to, they yeah. always end up sitting next to me. I am the same. Yeah, they love me. And, love you know, Adam. you can, I'll be going through, I don't know, Tesco, an island Tesco, and you can guarantee the one person in there who's, you know, seeks me out to come and tell <laughs> me their life story. So that happens all the time. Um, yeah, wherever we tend to go, we usually, and then also if I have a glass of wine, then I start inviting people back to our house, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's happened party. once as well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of the worst stuff. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that there'll be more to come. We'll do it. We'll do an update <laughs> at some point about, right. What has been the, tell me your chaotic stories. Well, I would encourage anybody to go and have a look at anything house of dentistry. I would definitely vouch for you. Thank you. Thanks so um, much. And it's worth it just to go in for the, the cup of tea and that and <laughs> alone. And the, the smell of it. No, this it's been it's been great. So thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing so much of your life. I think it's great as well to find out about the business, but to hear about you as two people. And it, it kinda gives more of a an understanding of it. these are the, the people that'll be taking care of you. So thanks it's been so great. Much. What's Thank the you. plans for the rest of the day? Back to the house renovation. Yep, house renovations. The, the very, very end tail end of a very very big house renovation so we're excited for everyone to be finished and gone yeah and then Which have our house back housewarming party at yours yeah yes. definitely i will see you there i'm <laughs> looking there. forward to it uh, thank you as always for listening and uh, we'll be back same time next week with another episode of blethered or maybe a couple of days later but i will have it for you cheers <laughs>